Yeah, I, was, uh, I was thinking about the last year and all that we've been through, and uh, we've, you know, 2020 really was a year that defied all convention, and so many aspects of our lives have changed, whether it's kids, how you go to school, maybe that's changed, uh, how you attend church, you know, shout out to all the live streamers out there, even, have you noticed even our language has changed, even, we've, over the last year, we've learned some words that maybe we didn't use before, like Zoom. Some of you are like, yeah, I knew Zoom before 20. Yeah, you were all the cool ones. But we, many of us, learned Zoom over the last year. Uh, social distancing, that was one of those new words. And uh, herd immunity. Welcome to the herd, everybody. Uh, our, our lives really have changed in a lot of ways. But, but there's another word that I'm, I've been using a lot over the last year, and it's the word pod. You know, like, it's all right, they're part of my pod. So we all have our pods now, and we've got school pods, and work pods, and friend pods, and, you know, it's not like there weren't pods before 2020, because we had our iPods, we had our AirPods, and don't forget your Tide pods. Kids, don't eat those. That's not food. There are so many pods, but we are using this word pod today in a new way, and I think a lot of us, or some of us, right or wrong, have a small bubble of people that we call our pod, and we feel very safe and comfortable taking off our masks with our pod and being together. And I actually remember early on in this whole pandemic when we were all uh, under stay at home and we were isolating, and uh, we, uh, the, the Vincent shower clogged. And uh, I didn't know what to do. I tried everything I could, and I could not get this shower unclogged. So I texted my neighbor because we're close, and he, his house is the exact same model as my house. And, uh, you know, he's had a lot of the same problems. So I just said, you know, my shower's clogged. Uh, do you have any ideas? Well, next thing I know, he's at my door with a drain snake. And he's coming up the stairs, and he's got this thing going down. And we're in this tight space, working together, no masks on. And I just had this couple of realizations. Number one, we got the hairball to move, but only far enough that it clogged the shower and another sink. So I kind of realized like we're gonna need professional help. But then the other thing I realized is that my neighbor's gonna be in my pod. And for the rest of this pandemic, they have been a part of our pod. Do you have some people in your pod? Do you have a pod of people that you're with? You know, we have this new word to describe our closest network of relationships. And maybe it's your family, maybe it's your uh, extended family, close friends, maybe it's some people you work with. Uh, but these, these are people that we allow into our space. We, we allow them into our life. We invite them into our home. Well, just like we've learned some new words in 2020, I want to teach you a new word today. And this word comes from the Bible. It's the Greek word oikos. So uh, let me all hear you say oikos. Good job. You are all Greek speakers now. Congratulations. Uh, oikos in the Bible means house. But it really encompasses more than just the house. It really encompasses family members, good friends, close associates. I mean, think about the people you're doing life with. That's your oikos. The Bible calls that oikos. In 2020, we just call it our pod. <laughs> So these are people who are like family to you. 
And this idea of family, it's, it's nothing new to us. We've been in a series here at Hope called We Are Family. And we've been talking about how the church is a family. But today, I want to extend that out to show you how God uses the lines of family and relationship and oikos to help people come to faith in Jesus Christ. But before we get there, let me show you how oikos shows up within the scripture itself. So if you have a Bible or if you have a Bible app, go ahead and jump over to Mark chapter 5. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5 today. We'll start in verse 1. And I'm going to point out where this word oikos shows up. The New Testament is, is written in Greek and then translated, of course, for us into English. So here we go. Mark 5. Listen to this. Jesus is going to heal a man. And then after healing the man, he's going to send him back to his oikos to share about Christ. So listen to this. Mark 5, verse 1. And we'll go through 20. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. That's intense. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, the Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus didn't let him, but said, go home. There's that word in the Greek. Go to your oikos. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, that's a region of ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. I love that line. And, you know, there's a, this, 
this is quite a passage, and there's a lot we could talk about here, but I want to focus on verse 19 today, where Jesus says, go back to your oikos and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And I think what Jesus is saying is that there are people in our life who don't know Jesus. There's people in our life who aren't connected to him, but they are a part of our oikos. They're a part of our network of friends. They're a part of our sphere of influence. And Jesus is sending us back into our sphere of influence to tell others about him. And if you've been here a while today, you might say, Brian, that sounds a lot like tangible kingdom. And you're right, it is. It is tangible kingdom. Um, those of you who are maybe new, tangible kingdom is our vision as a church. And you know, our passion here, our vision is to equip people to re reach their relational world for Jesus. Where we live, where we work, and where we play. And I would say, just like we've added a lot of words to our vocabulary this year, I'd love us as a church to add the word oikos to our vocabulary as a church. We can talk about you know, our friends and our oikos, our family members. Um, it's, it's a great way for us to reemphasize our vision of loving God, loving one another, loving our neighbors, something we call up, in and out. But I think the big idea today is really that God's given us a group of people a sphere of influence where we get to champion Jesus Christ and ultimately to bring others to him. So let's pray, and uh, we'll talk more about this idea of oikos. I want to define it for us and just share why this is such a powerful concept. So God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for your word and the way that you have come in and changed our lives. And even now we begin to think about the person or the people who helped us come to meet Jesus, and we are so thankful for those people. God, we're thankful for the way you stepped into our story to bring us to you. I know if it wasn't for you, God, I would not know you today. So I'm just so thankful for that, and I just pray that as we get into this message today that you would inspire, equip, and support us so that we can be that person for others in our life. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're talking about oikos. My first question today is, what is an oikos? And no, it is not the yogurt. I know you're all thinking about the yogurt. Uh, I love me a good Greek yogurt. That's not what we're talking about today. It is not the yogurt. We're talking about a Greek word found in the Bible. We see that in Mark 5.19. Jesus says, go back to your oikos. And the word oikos in the New Testament is most frequently translated as house. So in Mark 5.19, Jesus says, go back to your house, go back to your home. You know, you're, you're thinking Jesus is sending him to his family, to those who are in his, in his home, and that's true, but it conveys this idea of family, but it's even bigger than that. And that's what I want to capture for you today, and I've got a few definitions of oikos that I want to share with you. So it's, it's this idea of house, family, but think even bigger. Here's a few definitions. This one's Dr. Thomas Wolfe. He says an oikos, talking about in Greco-Roman culture, an oikos was the fundamental and natural unit of society, and it consisted of one's sphere of influence. Okay, everybody say sphere of influence. Yeah, yeah right. It's family, friends, and associates. The master's plan for making disciples defines oikos this way gives you some of the, the cultural context. 
The Greek word oikos is the word for household. In the Greco-Roman culture, oikos described not only the immediate family in the house, but it included servants, servants' families, friends, and even business associates. Ralph Neighbor defines it this way. An oikos was one's sphere of influence. There's that word again, and that's the one I want us to grab onto. Your oikos is your sphere of influence. Uh, it says his or her social system composed of those related to each other through common kinship ties, tasks, and territories, friends, family, and associates. And actually, as you look at the New Testament, you see this word oikos being used frequently, and, and it has this idea of household, extended household, friends, family, associates. Just a couple of examples here. Acts eleven fourteen. God tells Cornelius to gather his oikos, and the text tells us that Cornelius called together his relatives and his close friends. So you're starting to see that sphere of influence idea. He gathers his relatives and close friends. Uh, in our story, Jesus delivers a man, he sets him free, and then in Mark 5.19, Jesus sends him back to his oikos, and not only does he go back to his home, but he begins in verse 20 telling people about Jesus in the Decapolis. That's a 10-city region. This is his sphere of influence. So what is an oikos? It's family, it's friends. More than that, it's our sphere of influence. And, and here's how I would define it for us today. Your oikos are the people you get to influence for Christ. That's your oikos. It's the people you get every day to influence for Christ where you live, where you work, where you play, where you go to school. Your sphere of influence. Why does this matter? See, I think the powerful reality today is that 95% of us or 95% of all believers place their faith in Jesus primarily because of someone in their oikos. And that's many of our stories today. Someone in your life who knew you and loved you, and because of them, you have a relationship with Jesus today. And that's the story for many of us in our room. And I think this is huge. I mean, you think about how the gospel spreads. In the New Testament, there are three main areas of evangelism. You have public proclamation. And in Acts 2, Peter stands up in front of everybody and he preaches the gospel. And then you have this kind of one-on-one evangelism such as the Ethiopian eunuch, Acts 8. But then there's a third kind of evangelism, a third way of sharing your faith, sharing Jesus, where you see whole families, extended families, friends and neighbors all coming to Christ. It could be that greedy swindler named Zacchaeus. It could be a tax collector named Matthew. It could be a centurion named Cornelius or a, a businesswoman named Lydia or it could be a, a recently unemployed Philippian jailer. All of them came to Christ and every one of those was instrumental in bringing their oikos, their sphere of influence to Jesus. I, I mean, think about it. Think about how the gospel spreads. It's almost like how a wildfire spreads. You ever seen a, a wildfire or something like that? Uh, you know, we, we were back in Colorado in August visiting our family and start to see the smoke 
rising from the mountain behind us. And uh, it, I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing when the, the sky turns red, the sun turns red. Um, you know, this little did we know that this fire that we had witnessed back in August would become the largest wildfire in Colorado history to the point where there were huge plumes of smoke, you know, sky red, raining down ash on your head, kind of apocalyptic a little bit. But it would, it would take 112 days to contain this fire. They just put it out December 2nd. Burned over 200,000 acres. And you go, how does a fire burn 200,000 acres? And I'll tell you, it's just from tree to tree. From one tree to the closest trees near that tree. And that's how a wildfire spreads. And you go, how does the gospel spread? From person to person. From one person to those nearest to that person. And when that happens, the message of Jesus spreads like wildfire. And it happens along those relational lines as people begin championing Jesus where they live, work, and play in their relational network. We see that in our story. Mark chapter 5. Crazy story. Want to get, I would love to get into some of the details there. Maybe we can do that another time. Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. And I do want you to know one thing about this. I want you to know that those demons, a legion of demons, are no match for Jesus. Amen. They know his name, and they are terrified by his name. So the one thing about that whole crazy part is I just want you to know, a legion of demons is no match for Jesus. He is more powerful. There is power in the name of Jesus for setting people free. So they're begging Jesus, send us to the pigs. Jesus does that. About 2,000 pigs rush down a steep, steep bank into a lake, and they're all drowned. The people who see that are shocked. They can't believe what they've just witnessed. And they see all the dead pigs, and they see a man whose life has been radically changed. And they begin asking Jesus to leave the area. Did you catch that? They want Jesus to leave because they're, they're just so blown away by what's just happened. The man who's been set free comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to go with you. Jesus, I know you have to leave, but I want to go with you, Jesus. And what does Jesus say? He says, no, go back to your oikos and tell them the amazing things that the Lord has done for you. Do you guys see it? The people of the Decapolis did not want Jesus there. So Jesus left behind a man who could reach them because his life had been radically changed by Jesus. Did you guys see that? Jesus can't stay in the Decapolis. So he's leaving somebody behind who can reach them because his life has been so radically changed by Jesus Christ. And the passage goes on to say that the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, that's his sphere of influence, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Why were they amazed? Because his life had been radically 
radically changed by Jesus. And he could not stop talking about what Jesus had done for him. And we see the gospel spread like wildfire, don't we? It's one man. Ten cities are amazed. Isn't that incredible? One man. Ten cities amazed. And the powerful reality is that about 95% of us came to faith that way. Whether it's someone you're related to, whether it's someone you live with, whether it's someone you live next to, whether it's someone you work with or play with or just regularly bump into. The same way a fire spreads from tree to tree, the life-changing message of Jesus goes from one person to those who are nearest to that person, to our oikos. And I know for many of you who are here, many of you who are watching, this is how you came to faith in Christ. And this is what happened to me. I was a teenager. I didn't know Jesus. I wasn't following him. God wasn't in my life. And God gave me a friend who was a Christian who became my best friend. And we were like two peas in a pod. We each had the little like peach fuzz, you know? And they, they called us stash and major stash. Uh, that's, that's not going to get you any friends in high school right there. Have you met stash and major stash? Who are these two crazy guys? But here's what's amazing. I, as somebody who wasn't following Christ, I was brought into his home. And I, I became a part of his family. And I got to experience Jesus in his oikos. When, when his family gathered for meals, they, they prayed together, they went to church together, I began to see the difference Jesus could make in my life. And the more that I spent time in that oikos, the more I knew how much I needed Jesus Christ. And at age 17, I surrendered my life to Christ. Which, by the way, is a huge reason why we have a passion for young people. It's why we got to bring our youth ministry young people need Jesus. And at 17, I met Jesus because I found my way into an oikos where somebody began, where, where, where the, the kingdom became tangible for me, if I can say it that way. And I think if we'd all begin to share our stories across this room, online, we all just started sharing our stories, I think we'd realize that a lot of us came to faith that way, didn't we? through somebody we know, through somebody who loved us. I think many of us came to faith partially or fully because of a Christian in our life, and that's the power of oikos. And Jesus sends us out to do the same. Go to your oikos and tell them what the Lord has done for you, how he has had mercy on you. Your oikos are the people you get to influence for Christ. And I guess as we wrap up, the question is how? How do we do that? Like this man, how do we reach our oikos? And, and I just want to share five steps that I've put together. These are by Tom Mercer. So um, these aren't my own, but I think they're incredibly helpful. And, and the first one he has is list. Number one, make a list. Who is in your oikos? Who are the people around you who are far from God? Uh, who are people around you who are disconnected from Christ? Make a list. 
You might be thinking today, I really don't have any non-Christians in my oikos. Well, that means you've probably been a Christian for a while. And, and I have been there. I, I remember, I, you know, seven years ago being a pastor in a church and, and I was there. And what was amazing is that through Tangible Kingdom, I, I started to realize that God had actually been placing people all around me who didn't know Christ. I just hadn't been trained to pay much attention to them. And so we started to live with our antenna up. And God began to show us the people he had placed in our life who were disconnected from Jesus and disconnected from the church. And so I would invite you this week, maybe this afternoon, make a list. Who's in your oikos? Allow the Lord to reveal to you the people that he's put in your life and write it down. Make a list. Number two, pray. Pray. After you've made a list, begin praying for the people in your oikos daily by name. Let's begin to pray for our friends, family, loved ones who don't know Christ. Pray for them daily by name. A couple of things. Pray that God will help you, excuse me, pray that God will help them recognize their need for him. And when you pray, pray for your own spiritual growth too. So that you'll be prepared to meet those needs. Make a list. Pray. Number three, invest. This is the fun part where we begin to build those relationships, where we get to invest in those relationships. And there's so many ways we could do that. Maybe it's asking a neighbor to come over for dinner. Maybe it's inviting somebody from work to watch the big game. Uh, Maybe it's hosting a play date with other parents who are at home. Uh, I know people who have started quilting clubs in their neighborhood. I know others who have gotten involved in youth sports and maybe they're coaching a team. There's so many ways to begin investing relationally in the lives of people around you. But, but begin to do that. Begin to, to write them down. Pray. Begin investing. How do we intentionally invest in the relationships God has given us? <laughs> Number four, invite. Invite your oikos to church. There's a great, uh, some great research done by Lifeway. And research by LifeWay has shown that over 50% would come to church if invited by a family member or a friend. That just sounds like an incredible opportunity to me. Over 50% would come if invited by a family member or friend. Now, if you're like me, my friends must not be in the 50% because... I have invited my friends to church, and they have literally laughed at me. <laughs> like, I remember, like, we were at a birthday party. I was like, oh, you could come to church. He's like, <laughs> So I, a lot of us have friends that would never step through the doors of a church. Would never, aren't, they're just not ready, for whatever reason, to come and be a part of a, a Sunday morning. And that's where I think our small group events and parties are so, so powerful. Um, because I know many of my friends who wouldn't come to church... They would come to an outdoor barbecue, they would come to a movie night, they'd come to a game night, um, Super Bowl parties, all those things. So I would just encourage you, for those of you who are part of a small group, 
You know, I, I think in our small groups, we need to know the names of our friends that we're praying for, number one. Are, are we collectively praying for our friends who don't know Christ? Do we know their names? And then number two, let's begin to talk as small groups. How can we begin to connect people to Christian community and ultimately to, to Christ? So you can invite them to church, invite them to a small group event or party. Finally, invite your friends to talk about spiritual things. And that doesn't have to be a weird conversation. That could just be, hey, like, I want to get to know you better. Tell me your story. Did you grow up going to church? Oh, wow, that's, you know, that's amazing. Can I tell you what the Lord has done in my life? Just look for opportunities to talk about spiritual things. Last step here, uh, pray. Sorry, list, pray, invest, invite. And the last one is grow. Grow in your faith. Keep learning how to love and obey Jesus. Because I think the more we look like Christ, the brighter our light is going to shine. So I mentioned earlier that our neighbors are a part of our pod, and they are also a part of our oikos. And I just want to share a little God story today as we close. Um, in, in November, our neighbors invited us to their house so we could celebrate Thanksgiving with them and their extended family, which was really quite a, a special occasion. It was very special not only to be with them, not only to be in their home, but then to be a part of a Thanksgiving dinner with their extended family was just such a wonderful, wonderful thing. And as we sat down, my neighbor, who uh, really is not a, a religious man at all, he, we're sitting down and he invites me to pray. And the whole table, like, you guys have to understand, the, there's not a, we're the believers there. <laughs> like, no one else in the room is a believer, and my, my neighbor says, would you pray for the meal? And I was like, I looked at him, I go, are you sure? And he's like, why do you think I invited a pastor? <laughs> Anyways, you know, he's like, so, but what a special moment, you know, just to be in that moment and to pray. And you guys, God is at work. And that's, I think that's what I want to encourage you. See, the good news is that God's already put people in our life. And God is actually supernaturally working in these stories. He just invites us to come and to be a part of it. And we've learned so many words over this last year. I, I just, we've learned a new word today, and it's the word oikos. It just means sphere of influence. And Jesus is saying the same thing to us that he said to that man that day whose life had been radically changed. He's saying to every one of us, go back to your oikos and tell them the good things the Lord has done for you. Let's pray. You want to stand? Uh, we'll, we'll pray and we'll worship. God, thanks for working in our life and working in our story. Thank you that at some point in our life, the gospel has come to us, the good news of Jesus, that we can be forgiven and set free we can be assured of eternal life. Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone today who maybe hasn't made that step. God, I just ask that they wouldn't leave here today without saying yes to you. God, we surrender our lives to you today and we ask that we would be instruments in your hands. 
I pray that you would grow us to look more like Jesus. God, give us boldness to speak. Help us not to be silent. Help us not to be ashamed of the gospel, for it really is the power of salvation for all who believe. Continue to change our hearts, Lord, and we pray for those who don't know you. And even right now, we begin to pray for them by name. We pray for grown children who've turned away from you. We pray for neighbors. We pray for the person that works in the office with us. We pray for that friend that is on our team. And we ask that each of those would know how much they need you. Pray that each one of those would know their need for life in Jesus Christ. God, use us as a church. Use our small groups. There's a whole neighborhood around us that needs Jesus. Help us to live with our antenna up. Holy Spirit, speak to us each and every day. And we ask that in Jesus' precious name. Amen.